Welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel Network Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Dennis Murray. Wisdom is understanding God's Word. Pastor Murray's unique teaching approach brings God's Word alive with meaning as he takes you on a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of God's letter to you, the Bible. And now, here is Pastor Dennis Murray. Good day to you. God bless you. Welcome to Shepherd's Chapel. Welcome to this Family Bible Study Hour. Ready to get back into our Father's Word today? We got a new book for you. We're going back to the law, the third book of Moses called Leviticus. In the Hebrew tongue, the title to the book is Vayikara, which is what the, the book starts out, and the Lord called. Vayikara means, and he called. And the Lord did call his people Israel to be holy. Why? Because he was holy. Uh, in the uh, Vulgate and the Septuagint is where the Leviticus comes from. And the book does relate uh, to a great extent to the Levitical priesthood. And uh, Leviticus being close to the title and the, of course the Septuagint being the Greek uh, version of the Old Testament. The types that we saw in the book of Exodus have to do with redemption, whereas the types that we're going to be dealing with in the book of Leviticus have to do with worship. You could think of Leviticus as God instructing the people of Israel how he wanted us to worship him at this particular time, let me add. Uh, under the law it was a different dispensation. And now we live, of course, under the dispensation of grace. But at this time, we're almost a year to the day that God brought Israel out of bondage to the Egyptians after some 400 years. And he's giving them the law to prepare them to move into the promised land. And remember, the promised land occupied by some pretty bad hombres. We have a lot of uh, descendants from the Nephilim, the fallen angels, that have mixed in with the Canaanites, the various tribes of the Canaanites. Extremely unclean and God preparing his people to move into that promised land. Now, you might ask, well, why are we studying back in the law? Well, Paul put it very well in Galatians, the law is our schoolmaster that brings us unto Jesus Christ. I like what Bullinger says about the, the book of Leviticus in his notes. He says the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit glorifying Jesus Christ. And of course, we don't need a burnt offering uh, at this point in time, the dispensation of grace, to enter into the, the presence of God. When Jesus Christ was crucified, he was the first thing he did. Uh, he went up and ascended to heaven and he tore the veil from top to bottom, which gave us the right to come right on in. And we don't, of course, need a burnt offering to atone for sin, a sin or a trespass offering as it's written in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12, 13, and 14. If the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a red heifer 
can make us clean, how much more the blood of Jesus Christ. So what I want you to look for in this book of Leviticus, we, we're not going to do sin offerings anymore, but we're going to study them. And I want you to look at them for the types for Jesus Christ. And at the time of Moses, these were physical requirements. But I want you to think spiritually with me as we work our way through this book. Uh, it's, it's a deep book, but it's well worth the study if you're willing to put in the work uh, to, to dig out God's Word. Now, uh, the book of Leviticus starts out with the first three chapters. Uh, we're going to be talking about the savor offerings and there are three different types of savor offerings and the savor uh, would be the smoke from the offering ascends to our Heavenly Father. The, the word for burnt offering is ola in the Hebrew tongue which literally means to ascend and the smoke was a sweet savor to the Lord and that's the name, the reason they're called savor offerings. Now, all three covered in chapter 1, 2, and 3 uh, will first have the burnt offering and then the meal or meat offering, minka in the Hebrew, and then we'll have the peace or thank offerings in chapter 3. All three were voluntary. They weren't required. And each had different purposes, but the person who offered any of these savor offerings had to be in good standing with our Heavenly Father to be in a position to make such an offering. In other words, if one were laden with the burden of sin, they couldn't just make a, a burnt offering, which was an approach or an admittance, uh, entrance offering. They first would have to atone for the sin with a sin or a trespass offering, which we'll be covering in chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Leviticus. The book starts off, and as I said a moment ago, we're almost a year to the day after Israel came out of Egypt. In fact, from Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through to Numbers chapter 10, verse 10, is covered in a period of about 50 days. For in Leviticus 1.1, we start off in the first day of the first month, and in Numbers chapter 10, verse 10, when God instructs Israel to take up pentegs and move out, uh, is the uh, 20th day of the second month. So roughly 50 days covers from Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, through Numbers chapter 10, verse 10. The book begins, and as always, we're going to ask <clears throat> that word of wisdom in Yeshua's precious name. Father, we ask you to open eyes, open ears this day. The, the book in chapter 1, verse 1, starts off with the word and, which very closely connects the book of Leviticus with the book of Exodus, uh, just as the book of Exodus is connected to the book of Genesis with the word and. So uh, having asked that word of wisdom, let's pick it up. Uh, Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, and it reads, And the Lord, that's Yahweh, called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, thus fulfilling Exodus uh, chapter 25, verse 22, when God was instructing Moses to make 
the Ark of the Covenant. And God told Moses, I will meet you between the two cherubim, and there I will commune with you or communicate with you. And of course, what would God be communicating to Moses throughout the book of Leviticus? The law. And also the tabernacle that we have here, I don't want you to think of it as some big fancy building such as we would have at the time of Solomon, uh, Solomon's temple, which was a quite immaculate building, not only for the size of it, but for the components. There was a lot of gold, there was a lot of silver, a lot of ornate work in the temple of Solomon. But here, the mosaic tabernacle, the first tabernacle is referred to, meaning it was at the time of Moses. When I say mosaic, we're basically talking about a tent. Verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man, this is Adam in the Hebrew, of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. The word Hebrew, the Hebrew word for herd is bakar, and it means uh, of the beef, cattle, or oxen. The flock in the Hebrew is tsom, and it means of the sheep or goats. This word offering in this verse is a Hebrew word many of you are familiar with, uh, even from your studies in the New Testament. It's Corban, uh, and you may recall in the New Testament when uh, the Pharisees and scribes were questioning Jesus and his disciples about why they didn't wash their hands according to the tradition of the elders. And they, they weren't talking about just washing the dirt off their hands, they were talking about <clears throat> excuse me, a ceremonial washing. And Jesus proceeded to dress them down. He said, you know, Moses said we're to honor our mother and father, but you say that it's okay to neglect your mother and father as long as it's Corban, in other words, a gift to the church. If you're taking money that your parents need to sustain themselves on and giving it to the church, it's okay in what you say. And Jesus said, you know, Isaiah prophesied rightly of you that you would, with your traditions, uh, invalidate the word of God. Another thing to note about these sacrifices is that they were always clean animals. Uh, that's another thing we're going to be studying, and that still applies to today, is what is clean for us to eat and what's not clean for us to eat. We'll be covering that in chapter 11. <clears throat> Verse 3, If his offering be a burnt sacrifice, here we have the word olah in the Hebrew, and it literally means to ascend. And those of you with companion Bibles, you have an appendix 43, which goes into all the various types of offerings and their Hebrew words, and, uh, titles, and meanings. Of the sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door or the entrance of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Before the Lord is parim, and it means uh, to the face of the Lord. Now here we have our first type for Jesus Christ. 
I mentioned Hebrews chapter uh, 9 verses 12 through 14. In verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 9, it states that Jesus was sacrificed without spot. That means he was without blemish. He was perfect. He was completely innocent of what they were charging him with. And thus the type for the anti-type here uh, is without blemish. You couldn't take the uh, cripple of your herd and, and offer them or uh, one that wasn't of normal size, uh, maybe a little smaller, and make that do as your sacrifice. Uh, your sacrifice had to be the very best that you had uh, in your herd or flock, as the case may be. Verse 4, And he, this being the offerer, shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Now, this is not to be confused with a sin offering here. Uh, this is uh, known as the burnt offering, and it, the purpose of it is to, as I said earlier, gain admittance or entrance to stand in the presence of God. But you see, man, the problem with us standing in the presence of God is that he's holy and we're not. And this word atonement means it can be translated to cover. So in other words, the sacrifice covers the unholiness of man so that he can stand in the presence of God. I think putting his hand on the animal's head too uh, transfers the unworthiness uh, from the offer to the sacrifice. In verse 5, And he, the offerer again, shall kill the bullock before the Lord. Now this would be on the north side of the altar of burnt offering. And the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And of course Aaron, most of you know, was Moses' brother. And God chose Aaron to be the first high priest. And it was through Aaron's son Eleazar that the high priesthood was to continue from generation to generation. There would be those who would challenge Aaron's right to the high priesthood even though God uh, ordained him to, to be as such. Uh, he had a cousin by the name of Korah who attempted to take the, the, the priesthood from Aaron and appoint his own priest. Uh, that didn't go over very well with our, our Heavenly Father. The earth swallowed Korah and those who supported him. This sprinkled the blood round about upon the altar. They didn't actually uh, put blood on, directly on the altar. Uh, this word for sprinkle in the Hebrew is to, to dash or throw. You could think of it as to sprinkle. And, and what the priest would do, as you can imagine, especially with the larger uh, sacrifices such as uh, a, a, a beef cattle, there's a lot of blood and they would take a pitcher and walk around the altar of burnt offering uh, motioning toward the altar and actually splashing or dashing a bit of the blood on the four sides of the altar 
of burnt offering. Verse 6, And he, the offerer again, shall flay or skin the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. Now, the, the, what you do, and, and of course this is an animal is not being prepared to be eaten, but if you were butchering livestock, what is the first thing you do? Well, you properly bleed them by slitting their throat and letting the blood flow out of the carcass. Uh, keeps it from putrefying. Uh, the second thing you would do if you were preparing it to eat would be to skin it. And that's what this is talking about here. Um, the, and we'll learn in chapter 7, verse 8 of Leviticus that the skin or the hide of the animal being offered in this particular case would be the priests uh, to have for their service. Now that doesn't apply to all sacrifices as we'll see when we get to chapter 4 and 5 with the sin offerings. Uh, no, none of that was to be uh, given to the priest but was to be discarded uh, in a clean place. Verse 7, And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay the wood in order <coughs> excuse me, upon the fire. And the fire, of course, on the altar was to be kept continually burning. Uh, they would have had a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice even if there were no voluntary offerings. Another type here for Jesus Christ, though. Uh, everything in the life of Jesus Christ was prearranged. It was in order. And just as the wood is placed upon the altar, the life of Jesus Christ was also in order. Wood on the offerings that are savor offerings was the only acceptable burning material. Uh, whereas with the sin and trespass offerings, we'll see when we get to chapter 4 and 5, uh, the stubble or straw was acceptable. But in these first three chapters, only wood would be on the altar fire. Why? Because the uh, smoke was a sweet savor to the Lord and ascends up. Verse 8, and the priest Aaron's son shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in order upon the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. And again, all in order, just as the life of Christ was in order. The offering is also the burnt sacrifice, the burnt offering that we're talking about here in chapter 1 is also known as a whole offering, W-H-O-L-E, and that almost entirely the entire animal was placed on the altar. Verse 9, But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar, to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, of a sweet savor unto the Lord. <clears throat> Verse 10, and if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish, perfect and without spot, just as Jesus Christ was. Uh, you'll notice, too, that the beef and the, of the flock was to be a male for this offering. Well, was it acceptable to offer female as sacrifice? Yes, but... In, in particular instances, not in this case. More 
on the reason males were used in this case uh, in a moment. Verse 11, And he, the sacrificer, shall kill it on the side of the altar northward before the Lord. And the priest Aaron's sons shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. Again, gathering the blood in a pitcher and uh, dashing it <clears throat> on the four sides of the altar of burnt offering. Verse 12, And he shall cut it into his pieces, with his head and his fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire which is upon the altar. Verse 13, But he, the sacrificer, shall wash the inwards of the legs in water. Now a lot of people try and tie this with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 in the New Testament, uh, saying that it has to do with baptism. Well, they're not reading Ephesians 5.26 very accurately because it's talking about not washing in water, but washing by the Word of God. And of course, who is the Word? The living Word is Jesus Christ. That's where we wash our sins. And the priest shall bring it all and burn it upon the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, of a sweet savor unto the Lord, a savor of satisfaction to the Lord. And you might also be asking yourself, well, this all seems kind of silly. Well, then you're calling God's instructions silly, so be careful uh, how quickly you, you think that this is nonsense, because there was a reason for all of it, or God wouldn't have given us the instructions. Now, the burnt sacrifice, the admittance or entrance offering, was seen as a total uh, surrender to God, and therefore to be done vigorously and energetically. Uh, some scholars say that's the reason that the male uh, of the various offerings had to be utilized, because the male is stronger than the female. Now, note I didn't say that, the scholars said that. I'm not going to be found saying that uh, men are stronger than women. I believe the opposite to be the case, verse 14. And if the burnt sacrifice, again, olah, to ascend in the Hebrew, for his offering to the Lord be of fowls, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or of young pigeons, again, these being clean animals. Now, this would be the case if, if someone was not able, did not have the means to offer uh, of the herd the beef or the oxen, or of the flock a sheep or a goat. Note, God uh, provides a means for people to worship Him and to draw into this close relationship regardless of their status. It doesn't matter to God what people have as far as monetary uh, means are concerned. It's what's in their head and what's in their heart that matters to Him. <clears throat> Verse 15, And the priest shall bring it unto the altar, and some believe this is to uh, make up for the humble offering of the being a fowl and wring off his head and burn it on the altar 
and the blood thereof shall be wrung out at the side of the altar. And there's some disagreement among scholars as far as whether the head was to be completely uh, pinched off, you could think of. Uh, some believe that there was probably a small incision made and the head not totally removed. It was a whole offering even though it was a fowl. Uh, so I, I, I kind of tend to think that that's the case, that they would take a sharp knife and, and make a, an incision on the neck and then literally squeeze the blood of the bird out. Verse 16, and he, this is the priest, shall pluck away his crop, this would be the craw, you could think of it, uh, with his feathers and cast it beside the altar of the east part by the place of the ashes. Now, what this is talking about, the place of the ashes in the Hebrew is deshin. And when they offered, well, any sacrifice, there would be ashes as a result. Uh, but those ashes were sanctified to the Lord in that they had been offered to him. So even the ashes uh, had to be treated in, uh, in a certain way and were taken forth from the camp and placed in a clean place. <clears throat> Verse 17, And he shall cleave it, the priest again, and this word cleave it means to, to split or tear, with the wings thereof, but shall not divide it asunder, not to be completely parted. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar, upon the wood that is upon the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Also known as the whole offering. And again, the purpose of the burnt sacrifice was to gain admittance or entrance to be in the presence of the Lord. Now in chapter 2, we're going to be talking about a different type of offering. It's called the meat or the meal offering. In the Hebrew tongue, it's called minka. And this goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4 when Cain and Abel uh, offered up their sacrifices to the Lord. It was a minka that they were offering. And in the earlier times, particularly, a minka could be an animal sacrifice, but over the years it became more of a vegetable uh, sacrifice, as we'll be covering in chapter 2. So the meat or meal offering, <coughs> excuse me, let's go with it, chapter 2, verse 1. And when any will offer a meat offering, minka in the Hebrew, unto the Lord his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it, and put frankincense thereon. And again, I ask you to think about these spiritually as we begin. And the fine flour, of course, and this, the word fine means more than just uh, finely sifted. It means the best uh, that's prepared in a very special way. Uh, it would have to be a flower made from wheat. <clears throat> and, of course, spiritually speaking, what do you do with flour? Well, you make bread. Well, what is the bread that God gives us spiritually to eat? It's His Word. 
And of course, the bread of life is Jesus Christ. The oil, obviously, would have to be olive oil. Uh, olive oil, always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So as they would take the oil and mingle it with the flour and the incense, uh, it would be the Holy Spirit penetrating the, the loaf, if you would. The frankincense, a uh, fancy word for incense. Uh, incense, of course, always carried the prayers of the people up to our Heavenly Father. Verse 2, And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, the flour, the oil, and the frankincense, in other words. And he, the priest, shall take thereout his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now this word burn is katar in the Hebrew. And it means to actually turn it to vapor. So the priest would take, you know, a handful with whatever he could hold in his hand of the flour, mingle it with the oil and the frankincense, and basically throw it on the altar of burnt offering, and it would poof, vaporize. And that would then, the smoke would ascend and be a sweet savor unto our Heavenly Father. <clears throat> the word offering in this verse is a different Hebrew word than what we covered in verse 2 or 3 when I pointed out that the word was korban. Here we have the Hebrew word ishe, which means any offering by fire. Verse 3, And the remnant of the meat offerings, whatever is left that the offerer brought, and <clears throat> it wasn't used in the memorial to be burnt on the altar, shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. <clears throat> now there are seven things that are term, determined to be holy in God's Word. Three are holy and four are called most holy. Uh, the three holy are the thank offering, the firstborn and the first fruits. The four most holy, the incense, the showbread, the sin and trespass offering which are combined together and as we're studying here in chapter 2, minka, the meat or meal offering. Now, why were, I don't think the offerings were all that much different to our Heavenly Father. Why then did they call four of them most holy? I think that's because the priests were, once the offering had been made to the Lord and the priests were to receive it, for example, to consume it in the case of the sin offering, uh, that was very, very special. And if a layman, a non-priest, were to partake of that, it would cause a lot of problems for the person who partook of it because he would be bound by certain things that the priest are bound by. <clears throat> now in verse 4, we come to the second type of minka. We're going to be covering a total of three different types of minka. Uh, now the second one. And if thou bring an oblation, <clears throat> this word oblation is Corban, of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, 
It shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Now, obviously, anything that was to be consumed by the priest was not to have leaven in it. Anything that was to be offered to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering was not to have leaven in it. Uh, leaven uh, utilized in the uh, New Testament to be kind of symbolic of sin, <clears throat> mingled with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. And again, the oil symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if we were to think of this oven as we would think of an oven today, you'd be way off base. It was basically four rocks with a pan and then a fire underneath them. But the fire, uh, the, you could say that this sacrifice was uh, tried by fire. And of course, our Lord and Savior, His life was a trial by fire. Uh, over and over and over again, He was submitted to harsh conditions. And, you know, and, and as we work our way through this book, it gets pretty deep, some of it. I understand that. but. We're going to keep it light. Uh, it is worth the study, and uh, I'll ask you to stick with me as I, we work our way through. And if I'm guilty of anything, I want to be guilty of overstating this, what I'm about to say, rather than understating it. And this is for you younger viewers. We don't sacrifice animals and expect to make God happy today. That would be an insult to your heavenly Father. It would be an abomination to Him. Why? Because He gave His Son to be the sacrifice for one and all time. But again, these are all types that lead us to uh, Jesus Christ, as Paul would say, our schoolmaster. So let the school uh, teachings bring you to Jesus Christ and also glorify Him, as Bullinger would say, the book is the Holy Spirit's work glorifying Jesus Christ. Uh, we've got a short message. We'll ask you to listen a moment, won't you please? The Mark of the Beast on CD is our free introductory offer to you. What is the Mark of the Beast? Many false teachers would have you believe it will be a tattoo on your forehead or a computer chip implanted under your skin. It's getting late in the game. You need to know what the Mark of the Beast is. As it's written in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, many will be deceived. Christ said in Mark 13, 23, Behold, I have foretold you all things. Jesus indeed told us how not to be deceived, and Pastor Arnold Murray takes you on a step-by-step -step study of God's Word concerning this critical subject. The telephone call is free. The CD is free. No shipping and handling. Just call 800-643-4645 to request your one-time, one-per-household copy of The Mark of the Beast. You may also mail your request to Shepherd's Chapel, P.O. Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Don't be deceived by Satan. Welcome back. We're glad you could join back with us. Let's have the 800 number, please. 800-643-4645. That number good throughout Puerto Rico, of course, the United States, and our good friends to the north in Canada. If you have a biblical question that you'd like to pose to be answered on the air, feel free to call that 800 number and leave your question. Please don't ask questions about a specific denomination, organization, or individual by name. 
Uh, we try and teach God's Word in a positive manner, throwing out negative about others, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, serves no purpose. We simply won't do it. We stick with God's Word. We let His Word uh, do the teaching, and in some cases the correcting, and in some cases the healing, fully capable of all three. Uh, if you're listening by shortwave radio somewhere around the world or studying via the internet, uh, you can also write in questions uh, rather than calling the 800 number. In other words, if you can't use the 800 number, feel free to write in with your questions. Got a prayer request? Well, we can do away with the 800 number. You don't need an 800 telephone number. Your Heavenly Father is there for you 24-7. Uh, he's there for you around the clock, seven days a week, in other words. I encourage you to talk with Him. Make time each day to let your Father know that you love Him and, and to thank Him for the many benefits and blessings that He bestows upon you. If you don't think He's bestowing any blessings and benefits on you, you're taking them for granted and you need to rethink things. We do have these prayer requests, though. We come united as one in the name of your Son, Father, Jesus Christ. We ask you to look upon these. You know their needs, Father, financial difficulties, uh, problematic marriages, Father, you know. If it is your will, we ask a special blessing on each of these, Father. Uh, watch over, guide, direct. Uh, we also lift up our military troops who are in harm's way around the world, Father. <clears throat> Protect. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and thank you, Father. All right, and we're going to get to some questions now. Uh, first of all, let me say it's so good to be back with you uh, on the live broadcast, and uh, uh, it's good to be back in the saddle. First up today, uh, we have Randy in Texas. Question for Pastor Dennis. Chapter 9 of Revelation begins with the fifth angel sounding, and then in verses 1 through 5, it describes the opening of the bottomless pit, and there came locusts upon the earth to hurt men who had not the seal of God in their foreheads for five months. Is this the five months that also comes after the sixth trumpet when Satan is here, or are there different five-month periods? No, it's the same uh, five-month period, the season of the locust. And of course, what are these locusts? It's, it's, they're not actual locusts. Why? Because uh, they're not to, to hurt any green thing, and locusts hurt green things, I believe is the way it's written there in, in, in uh, Revelation chapter 9. Now, the locusts are, of course, the locust army that are with the Antichrist. They're working, if you could think of it, for the Antichrist. You can also read about them in the Old Testament. Uh, in the Minor Prophets, the, the book of Joel, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, speak of the uh, locust army, particularly 1 and 2. Frank in Arizona, where in the Bible does it talk about America? Well, I think Isaiah uh, chapter 18 uh, speaks of America. And of course, uh, after the dispersion of the ten tribes, that at the, those who were in captivity to the Assyrian, and then when they were released, they went north over the Caucasus Mountains. 
and became known as the Caucasian peoples of the world. Uh, Israel is mentioned in the Bible as speaking of America because that is where a great number of those 10 tribes settled. Mark in New York, <clears throat> what is a remnant and how do people know the true God? A remnant means a residual portion or those remaining, in other words. God promised that there would always be a remnant to carry the truth forward from generation to generation. And then you followed with how do people know the true God? Well, you know the true God by studying His Word. His Word is not something that men made up. It's His Word, our Heavenly Father's Word. And when you read in Psalm chapter uh, Psalm 22, for example, where it speaks of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, even down to the Roman soldiers gambling or casting lots for his garments, and then a thousand years later that came to pass. You see, man can't do that. Our Heavenly Father can. You study his word, you stay in his word, and you develop your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You see, your relationship with God doesn't depend on Him. He's the same yesterday, the same today. He will be the same tomorrow. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father depends on you and you alone. And we have Clint, and I don't know where Clint's from. I have a couple of questions for you. The first one is about Sodom and Gomorrah. Is this story about him leaving the city and his wife turns to a pillar of salt? Is it already come to pass? Yes, but uh, in the end times, it's going to be just like in the days of Sodom and Egypt, as it states in Revelation chapter 11, verse 8. And then you ask, uh, is in the sixth trump, the son of perdition, does he take his followers with him or does he stay here until the seventh trump comes into play? It all happens right here on earth. I ask if you would pray for my family. My grandma is getting older now. She has buried two of her children and my dad passed away in March. So I ask you to pray for my family. You've got it, Clint. Uh, you and your family are in our prayers. Always remember, God will never leave you. Uh, he will never forsake you. That's biblical. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 3, 4, and 5. Uh, George from Oklahoma. I am a disabled Vietnam veteran, and thank you for serving our country. Let me say, George, before I continue with your question and live on a fixed income. My question is this, I was attending a church who said if I didn't tithe, I would go to hell. Is this correct? That church uh, might say so, Clint, but God doesn't say so. You are welcome to church with us, to study God's word with us, and I promise you, no one will ever ask you for your disability. Disability and those who lived on a fixed income, uh, they're, li li they're living on very limited assets as it is. And then for a church to try and browbeat them out of 10% of that, <clears throat> in my opinion, is unacceptable. Their, their heart 
is where their mouth is, and that is they're serving mammon, uh, they're not serving God. They're in it for the money. Diane from South Carolina, I love and enjoy studying with you. I'm glad you enjoy studying God's Word. Could you please explain Deuteronomy 2840 to me? And Deuteronomy 2840 basically says, Thou shalt have olive trees, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with oil, because thine olive shall cast his fruit. In other words, there will be no olives, no olives, no olive oil. And you have to understand Deuteronomy 28, like Leviticus uh, chapter 26, which we'll be getting to, covers the blessings and the curses of God. Deuteronomy 28.40 is talking about if you're not doing things God's way, you're not going to be blessed. You're not going to have any olives uh, to enjoy, and you won't have any olive oil to anoint with. Tom in North Carolina, what do you do with a Bible that does not have the true word in it? Do you burn it or bury it or what? Well, it isn't written, but that is exactly what you said, uh, Tom, is how I would answer this question. Burn it or bury it. That way it cannot mislead other people in the future. Deborah in Virginia, in 1 Samuel 17, 4, it speaks of Goliath and his size. And I wonder if the giants had illness like we have today. Well, it's not written any place that I know of, but can you imagine if Goliath had a headache? Wow, it would be one large headache. And I don't even want to think about a toothache. Estella in Texas, can you give me scriptures to a man and a woman living together but not being legally married but being committed wholly to each other? Well, in the Old Testament, Estella, when a man spread his skirt over a woman, in other words, they had uh, sexual intercourse, they were married in God's eyes. You know, we have come up with wedding vows and everything. Um, most of that is not biblical. There's not a set wedding uh, vow that's given in God's Word. Uh, having said that, let me also say that if children are a possibility uh, as a result of your relationship with your significant other, uh, we here at the chapel encourage people to get a civil license. Why? Because if you have children, the rights of the children are protected uh, if you have a civil marriage license. Della in Wisconsin, where do our souls go when we pass away? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 tell us that to be absent from the flesh is to be present with the Lord. Also, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, verses 6 and 7 uh, states that if the silver cord ever parts, which that's a, a Hebraism, a figure of speech, that means when we die, the flesh returns to the earth from which it came, and your spirit returns to your heavenly Father from whence it came. So uh, that's where your spirit, the spirit being the intellect, I think, of the soul, it returns to our heavenly Father. No one's out here in a hole in the ground waiting for Jesus Christ 
to return. To be absent from the flesh is to be present with the Lord. <clears throat> Denise in Michigan, can you please explain to me Luke chapter 15, verse 31, where it says, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. My question is, why is Son capitalized? Thank you for making God's Word clear. You're welcome. And Luke chapter 15, of course, talking about the prodigal son. I don't know why you would question, though, why the word son is capitalized when it's the first word in a sentence. So that's the reason it's capitalized. It's the first word in the sentence. It's not referring to the Son of God is what you would normally think when you saw son capitalized, but it's because it's the first word in the sentence. Hazel from Mississippi, I do enjoy hearing the Word of God, and I'm glad you enjoy it. Let me get down to your question. Uh, where are the ones that have died when the Lord returns to earth? Well, they're already in heaven, Hazel. Uh, we just talked about to be absent from the, the flesh is to be present with the Lord. Uh, you must understand, too, that there are two uh, sides to the gulf. And you follow with also, what do you think we will eat in heaven? Well, in Psalm 78, uh, verse 25, we learn that uh, Israel, when they were wandering in the wilderness and God gave them manna from heaven, it states there in Psalm 78, verse 25, man did eat angels' food. So uh, I guess we'll be eating manna there. <clears throat> Lee from Illinois. Thank you for your wonderful program. We're glad you enjoy it. What happens to the people on the wrong side of the gulf? Do they have a second chance? Do they go uh, into the millennium? Then what? Well, there are no second chances, but I do believe that there are those who never had a chance. By that I mean they went to church every Sunday and occupied a, a place on a pew, but were never taught God's Word. They didn't have a chance. They didn't have a chance to start with. So yes, I, I believe that those who never had a chance will be taught during the millennium. And then you say, and then what? Well, then the great white throne judgment occurs and then souls are either judged into the lake of fire where Satan and, and the devil go uh, or they'll go into the kingdom of God which is another way of saying the eternity. Wilson in Tennessee, where in the Bible does it talk about man laying with man as in homosexuality? Well it is an abomination to God, Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22 also Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. And you might be one of those that says, well, that's the Old Testament. Things have changed. Well, not so in this case. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 27 make it very clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. And if that's not enough, try 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Homosexuality is what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, back in the book of Genesis. You want to know what God really thinks about homosexuality? Then you need to give Genesis chapter 19 a read. He completely, utterly destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah 
with fire and hailstones, brimstone. John in New Jersey, do you have church on Saturday or Sunday, and do you believe Saturday is the true Sabbath? Well, John, we have church most every day here at Shepherd's Chapel. We're, we're everyday Christians. We're not one day of the week Christians. What does the word Sabbath mean? It means rest. And if you read Hebrews chapter 4 with understanding, you'll learn that Jesus is our rest. Uh, one other point uh, for those of you who get all caught up in what day of the week is Sabbath, well, what is the highest Sabbath of the year? It's Passover. And who is our Passover? Jesus Christ became our highest Sabbath of the year, Passover, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Dale in Tennessee, Paul, was he a disciple or not because Peter didn't introduce him as a disciple in the Bible? Well, no, Paul was an apostle, which means he was one sent forth. God used Paul mightily. Uh, he's the, the, he, he who penned uh, or wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, Paul was not a disciple, but Peter gives credentials to Paul in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Carol in Florida, can you please explain Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5? And that states, and I'm paraphrasing, the living know they shall die, but the dead <clears throat> know not anything, neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. You have to understand, Carol, that Ecclesiastes is written to man who walks under the sun. In other words, man in the flesh. And what that's saying there in chapter 9, verse 5, is that when the flesh dies, it doesn't know anything. Why? Because it goes back to earth, as it's written in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> the intelligence of every being departs the flesh at the time of death. That intelligence, of course, uh, the spirit uh, the, being the intelligence of the soul. Renee in Massachusetts, is the biblical way to salvation, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. No, the biblical way to salvation is John chapter 3, verse 16. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the key to salvation. <clears throat> Glenda in New York. Is the mark of the beast a good angel? No, you need, if you don't understand what the mark of the beast is, Glenda, you need to order our free introductory offer entitled The Mark of the Beast. The phone call is free. We have an 800 number you can call. We don't even ask for the postage. The CD is free. And it's getting late in the game, and it's important for people to know what the mark of the beast is. And I encourage you, if you haven't done so, to do so. Uh, and then we have Naomi from California. Uh, I thank you and your staff. Thank you for remembering the staff. We have a very hard working group of uh, staff and, and volunteers here. For your very diligent work you put forth for the benefit of the kingdom to come, 
with our Lord Almighty. And this is from Naomi in California. Wherever God is, that is where heaven is. If this is true, then if God is with us and we are with him in thoughts and actions, then would this be heaven? Uh, God did reside with men on earth at one point in time. Uh, the point in time is what we're studying now when he was giving the law to Moses. And However, he got fed up with the backsliding, uh, idol-worshiping Israel and uh, he's not here on earth now, uh, de facto, de jure, a better word. He, he is in heaven, but he is coming back here. How do I know Revelation chapter 21 and 22? I'm out of time. I want you all to know that I love you a great deal. Why? Because you enjoy studying God's word in depth. You make a little time each day uh, to study Father's Word. And you know what? It makes his day when he looks down and he sees you with the letter that he wrote to you, the Bible, uh, wanting knowledge from him and about him. Uh, you're going to be blessed for it. We are brought to you by your tithes and offerings. If we've helped you, help us keep coming to you and to reach out to others who are lost in this world of darkness. Most important this, though, you stay in his Word every day. Every day in his Word is a good day, even with trouble. You know why? because Jesus is the living Word. Hearing God's Word with understanding will change your life. We hope you have enjoyed studying God's Word here on the Shepherd's Chapel Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Dennis Murray. If you would like to receive more information concerning Shepherd's Chapel, you may request our free introductory offer. Our introductory offer contains the Mark of the Beast CD, our monthly newsletter with a written Bible study, a CD catalog, and a list of written reference works available through Shepherd's Chapel. To request our free introductory offer by telephone, call 800-643-4645, 24 hours a day. You may also request our introductory offer by writing to Shepherd's Chapel. P.O. Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Once again, that's Shepherd's Chapel, P.O. Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. We invite you to join us for the next in-depth Bible study each weekday at the same time. Thank you for watching today's program, and God bless you.